Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. We're here at week two of Not Us. Every, every February, I do uh, either a marriage series or a family series, and, and this is part of that preventive maintenance that we talk about. We need this in our lives. I want to remind everybody in the room, uh, though I may be speaking to married couples and relationships, there is something for everybody in this room out of these sermons. I, I can assure you of that. If you are single, Trust me, take notes. If nothing else, take mental notes because this is what you need. You need to be looking for people in your life that God can put in your life to bring value to your life. You you need to get away from some of these that are sucking the life out of you. You know that, right? And so if you're single, if if you're dating, if you're engaged, listen to me. There's time. Before you say I do, you need to make sure that that is a godly man or a godly woman with the same values and principles that you have in your life. Don't you settle for less. God has great plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, even in your home. And so don't you settle. And so everybody in this room, you're going to be able to get something out of these sermons, even though I may be speaking to the married couples in the room. I promise you, everybody can glean from this. And it's, as I mentioned last week, it's interesting to me that when God throws an analogy at us about the church and his relationship with the church, he uses the analogy, the example of marriage. That, that Christ is our groom and we are the bride of Christ and that there's going to be a marriage and, and, and a time when the bride and groom come together, a marriage supper of the lamb. Throughout his word, he treats it as a marriage and that is the best example that he can give us to show us his love for us and how we should fall in love with him. And so don't, don't, if, if you're not married, don't dismiss what I'm saying. I promise you there's heavenly principles here that apply to all of our lives. Amen? Last week, I told you that nobody in their right mind ever enters into marriage hoping and praying that it won't last. Nobody in their right mind does that. The crazies of the world do, but nobody in their right mind enters into marriage hoping that it will not last. But very few people take the necessary measures to prevent divorce from happening. Last week, we looked at Mark chapter 10. Specifically, we looked at verse 9 where Jesus said, What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. What God has put together, no one should come between them. No one should separate them. That means nothing and no one should separate you from your spouse. Not your job, not your parents, not your children. Your children should never separate you from your spouse. Not your friends and not even you. You don't have the right. What God has put together, no one should separate. And you are not divine. You do not have the right to separate you and your spouse. And I told you, I understand it. There's moments when you just don't love them like you used to love them. And, and, and marriage, it, it, it's in rhythm is what it is. Sometimes it's here, sometimes it's here. Sometimes it's here, sometimes it's here. And I told you, I was very honest. There's moments when I, I didn't love Mandy that much anymore. And Mandy, I know, didn't love me. There's probably moments this week where Mandy didn't love me as much as she once loved me. And, and, but, but you have to hold on. And when you can't love your spouse with your love because it's run out, I encouraged you, love your spouse with the love of God. 
Because 1 John 4 and 8 tells us God is love. If you want a definition of God, God is love. 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 says love never fails. And so you just cram all of that together and it tells us that God is love. Love never fails. Therefore, God never fails. And when you learn to love your spouse with the love of God, when your love runs dry, when, when you just don't have it anymore, you love your spouse with the love of God. Extend mercy, extend grace, extend forgiveness as Christ would for his church. And when you learn to do that, you're going to see your marriage begin to improve. You're going to see your marriage come, be, become what God has called it to be. I want you to look at your spouse. If your spouse is in the room with you, I want you to look at him and say, not us. Come on, say, not us. The enemy will not have our home. The enemy is not going to destroy our marriage. The enemy is not going to come between us, not us. When my son Caleb was a young child, that always makes him nervous, I'm sure. But when Caleb was a, a young child, he asked me this question, and he was much too young to ask this question, but, but he did. And, and he said, Dad, how were people born? Just a little kid asking me, how were people born? And so I answered him. I gave him the biblical answer that I stand on, that I believe in. I, I said, son, God created Adam and Eve. They were, they were grown people, you know, grown man, grown woman. He created them. They made babies. I didn't go into the details of it. Way too young for that. I said, they made babies. Then their babies became adults and, and made more babies and so on and so on. Well, I guess my answer wasn't good enough. And so Caleb went to his mom and said, mom, you know, how are, are babies made? How are babies born? You know, that kind of thing. And, and I'm ashamed to tell you this today. This is, this is really embarrassing for me as a pastor of a Christian church that I'm about to tell you what I'm about to tell you because it's just, I mean, I, my wife's answer just shocked me because she looked at her little son and, and she said, um, son, we were monkeys. <laughs> then we evolved to become like we are now. It's evolution. It's shocking, isn't it, that your pastor's wife would, would give an answer like that. But that's the answer she gave. And, and Caleb came running back to me and he said, Dad, you lied to me. Why did you lie to me? And so I had no choice but to tell him the truth at that moment. And I said, son, your mom was talking about her side of the family. <laughs> Before you start tweeting that your pastor's wife believes in evolution, that was a joke. She never said that. Though her dad does look like a big ape, that is not <laughs> true. As strange as my family, as, my, as strange as my wife's family members are, uh, let me make sure I get that right. As strange as they are, I, I am glad that I have my wife by my side. I am. I, I could not do what I do. And on this Valentine's Day 2016, Mandy, I love you. And I thank God that he has put you in my life as a helpmate in ministry. Um, but also as a, as a wonderful wife, a wonderful mother, and I just thank God for you. And uh, Scripture tells me that I am better off with you. And so I believe that. Um, don't want to see what my life would be like without you. And, and, and to all of you in the room, everybody, married, single, you're better off with someone. You are. You're better off with someone. I know Paul, Paul uh, I, in, in one of his letters, he, he said, you know, it's... Uh, if you can remain single, then that's a good thing. And then he followed up with, it's better to marry than to burn, you know, that kind of thing. And, and uh, I'm not sure exactly. Paul was in a good case of the struggles at that moment, I'm sure. And so um, I don't know if Paul was writing what he had to write. But, but I do know this. According to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 
I know that two are better than one. I know that. And so I know God's desire for you is to have companionship. No matter where you're at in life, he wants you to have companionship. And so I want to give some of you some hope today and listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm going to be reading a number of verses today, but I'm going to start at at verse 9. If you're opening your Bibles, just leave it at Ecclesiastes chapter 4 for a while, and and we'll get to the rest of it. But Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 to begin with, says two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So God's word tells us we're better off. I'm better off with my wife. I'm better off with that companionship because two are better than one. I, I remember a few years ago uh, when I was a youth pastor in Tampa, we, we brought our students up somewhere outside of Ocala. I think it's somewhere in the, in the Ocala Forest, National Forest out there, um, to this camp. I have no idea what the name of it was, don't remember, but, but we brought them to this camp for a fall retreat, and they had this high ropes course. And, you know, we had to get the kids to sign waivers and all that good stuff. And, and, and I remember that they had this, this rock climbing wall this rock climbing wall, and, and it led up to a zip line. And I love zip lining. That, that's fun to me. I love to zip. I'm scared of heights, but I love zip lining. It's, it's just a thrill. It's a rush for me. And so I saw it, and I thought, I want to do that. And they had their experts, some of the college students that had been trained, and, and they were there to help us along the way, you know, to make sure that we didn't get hurt, to be spotters for us. And so I'm standing there and, and, and looking at this rock climbing wall up to the platform. And, and on one side, it was, it was a hard side. You know, the, the little rocks that they attach, they're a little bit more spread out, harder to reach. On the other side, it was the, the easy side. And so a lot of people wanted to try the easy side first. And I'm in line over at the easy side and I'm getting harnessed up and everything. And I look over at the hard side and there's this little kid, he was in middle school. His name was Brian, and, and Brian was just little Puerto Rican kid, and Brian went flying up the hard side. Just little scrawny arms, uh, just a little peep squeak. I mean, and I'm standing over here on the easy side watching him do that, and I'm thinking to myself, if, if that little twerp can climb that wall that fast, then I can do it. I mean, he had little bitty arms, and I mean, look at these. Look at these. I mean, I just ripped my shirt a little bit, but I'm used to it. It happens. Um, so I moved out of the line. I, I got out of the easy line, got into the hard line, because Brian just flew up this thing, and if that little twerp can do it, I know that I can do this. I can get up there. I knew something was wrong when the spotter with his harness on that goes up to a rope on a pulley and then it comes down to who he's trying to spot, who he's trying to help. I knew something was wrong when my spotter, who was about my height, but he was this, this skinny thing, just, just flesh and bone. I mean, that's all he was. He was just a skinny guy, had some you know, puffy hair, a little like Frodo. And, you know, and as he's standing there, he looks at me and kind of gives me the look. You know, he's like looks me up and down. I didn't like that very much. He says, uh, 
You're good size. I am good size. Say that again, I'm going to punch you right dead in the face. Like I know I don't, I, like I know I'm not big. Come on, just hush, you know. And so they get me all strapped up and I've got my harness on and I get over there and I get ready to climb the wall. I get about halfway up this wall and I'm struggling. I am in a sweat. My knees are shaking. You know, I'm, I'm trying my best to hold. I'm trying to make my way over to the easy side, you know, because I'm struggling bad. This is tough stuff. I don't know how Brian made it up there. Obviously, weight does matter in rock climbing. I look down behind me, and my spotter, Frodo down there, he, he is, is holding on for dear life. He is braced, and, and all of a sudden, my foot slips. And when it slips, and I begin to fall, it lifts Frodo up off the ground. <laughs> And he swings into the rock climbing wall, just boom. My bad. <laughs> he gets back, gets reset, and, and the guy obviously had his bell rung because he can't think clearly right now. I said, you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, yeah. He gets back there, and I start climbing again. About the third time that I fell off that wall, and this guy's struggling, another guy comes over, one of his, his fellow co-workers, and grabs him by the shoulders just to hold this guy down. I fell off so many times, and I wasn't giving up. The line's getting longer, and, and I'm not giving up. I fell off so many times, they finally got everybody over there, plus some of my youth group, and they just decided they're just going to pull me up there, you know. This guy's not giving up. Let's get him up there. And they all just pull as I think I'm climbing. I'm like, man, spotty senses are kicked in, you know. I'm getting up. And I just get up, up there, and I finally made it up to the top, you know. Successful, man. That's how I was, you know. But, but, but here's my point. When you're connected to the wrong person, It'll mess you up. For you singles in the room, those of you that are dating, those of you that are maybe even engaged, you better put the brakes on that relationship just for a moment. Though I believe God wants us connected, that two are better than one, though I believe that completely, when you are connected to the wrong person, when you are unequally yoked according to the New Testament, when you are that, that person that, that, that is connected to the wrong person, it will mess you up, and you better get a grip on it now. I would rather you experience heartache now, singles, dating, those of you that are engaged. I would rather you stop it now, be heartbroken in this moment, until you know, later on you get married, you bring other heartbeats into this world, and then eventually it all comes crumbling down, and now there's much more heartbreak and, and much more pain that has to be sorted through. I would rather disappoint you right now and let you know that if that person is not a godly person in your life, God has not ordained them in your life. What fellowship does light have with darkness is what the Bible says. You can't go into a relationship unequally yoked and expect God to bless that. When you're connected to the wrong person, it'll run you into obstacles that you did not even know existed. It'll mess you up. It'll mess you up physically, spiritually, emotionally. It will wreck your world, and you need to learn to discern for your life what God has for you and, and the person God has for you. Don't give up on God. God is in the business of doing the impossible. 
I know that some of you, you see and you sense your, your, your biological clock is ticking and you're wondering, God, am I ever, ever going to find that person? And you're failing to realize that God is working on you and working on your future spouse. Just wait and be patient on God and see what God has to offer you because it's going to save you a whole lot of heartache, if you will. We've got to be careful with who we are joined to because the wrong person will not have you anchored properly. Jake? Well, two can play that game, boy. We're going to fight. Let's do it. Jake, I'm going to be the Christian because I'm the pastor. I wrote the sermon. I'm the Christian. You're the devil. Your wife said amen. Um, <laughs> this right here works. One-on-one, mano-a-mano, this works. This does Come on, devil, attack me. Come on, Jake, you hit me. I'm tired, man. I don't have patience. If you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. I'm just letting you know, okay? The devil comes one-on-one. I'm good for a fight. I tell my basketball players when I'm coaching them, if they're a guard or a forward that can dribble, when it's one-on-one, you're on a fast break, take them to the rim. I'm good with a one-on-one challenge. Go to the rim. Go strong to the rim. You got them backpedaling. You're, you're in good shape. You're going to go, go strong to the rim. You're going to make a shot or you're going to get fouled. You know, this is a good situation. One-on-one is, is good. But the devil never fights fair. You ever notice that? The devil never fights fair because, watch this, while I'm focused right here and I'm trying to fight the devil right here and, and he's throwing blows at me and I'm, I'm blocking these blows, you know, and this is what's happening. He's got another one. got some demon karate kid over here <laughs> that is coming up behind you for a sneak attack that is going to take you out one-on-one we're good but the devil never fights fair and to counteract that God said two are better than one there's a reason why he wants us in relationship with others, it's because we fight better in pairs. And so God gave me Mandy. And so Mandy joins my life. And, and, and let, me, let me show you something here. Uh, we, we love this, don't we? We love it. We're side by side, you know. <laughs> Skipping in the daisies. You know, this is beautiful, isn't it? We love this. My bad. <laughs> But he's called us to be back to back. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 4, verses 11 and 12. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. You see, he's called us to be in relationship. He said it's not good for man to be alone. It's good for us to be in relationship because two are better than one. 
You've got the front and the back covered. And for her life, she's got the front and the back covered. I'm here to defend her back. And when I'm fighting over here, she's there to defend my back. Some of you spouses in the room, you need to learn that you're there to defend your spouse. You need to understand that when they are under attack, you are called to have their back. There's other people in the room that they are already married to an unbelieving spouse. And listen, you can't walk away from that unless you have the right circumstances. So don't you walk out of here and think, well, I've just got the wrong person. No, but they will, they will testify to you. They will let you know that there are people and spouses that, that, that are not spiritually capable of having their back. And it's a miserable life. And, and, and those of you that are in that situation, you just keep praying. I've seen it happen. I've seen miracles transpire. I know that God is able to, to arrest that unbelieving spouse's heart and, and eventually bring them in. But, but, but you need to understand, you just can't walk out of that because you disobeyed God's word in the beginning. So now you've got to live with the consequences of that and pray that somehow God gets a hold of them. But for those of you in the room that you have a believing spouse... Those of you in the room who are not married yet, you better look for somebody that has your back. You better make sure that that person is willing to fight with you because when my wife was fighting the demon of cancer that was attacking her life, she knew eight months into our marriage that I had her back. She knew I wasn't going to walk away. She knew that I was there to defend her when she couldn't defend her sp- herself. And you need a spouse in your life that will do the exact same thing for you. So you better be picky. You better find out that that person loves God as much as you love God before you say, I do. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer The problem is that even though you have a spouse that has your back, you're still vulnerable. I'm not going to lie to you. There are are some good people out there married. (laughs) She learned the first service. There are some people that are married and they don't have God in their marriage, but they're good people. I'm not telling you that you can't have a good marriage if Christ is not at the center of it. We see it all the time. We see unbelievers that grow old together. It happens. But you need to understand you're extremely vulnerable. That, yeah, you may have the front and back covered, You've got this devil covered, and she's got that devil covered. But I've been doing a lot of studying, paleontology, specifically the Jurassic Park movies. (laughs) I'm a man of deep, deep learning. I really am. Remember in the Jurassic Park movie, in in the first one, you remember the whole... Velociraptor. You remember that? You remember how they would attack? While while this one is distracting you, you don't even know this one's hiding in the bushes over here. You have no idea he's even there. 
And that velociraptor will attack you from the side. When you don't have Christ at the center of your marriage, you may have your front, you may have your back covered, but the enemy knows exactly where your weak spots are. And this right here is extremely vulnerable when you're focused on this demon and she's focused on that demon and, and, and you have no idea that the velociraptor demon is lurking right there trying to get to you, trying to get to your marriage, trying to, to destroy your home. But here's the beautiful part of it. When you're equally yoked, And I fear God, and I have Jesus Christ living in my life. And she fears God, and she has Jesus Christ living in her life. The promise of Matthew 18 and, and 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of of them. Come here. There's a reason why I chose you to play God. Come here. <laughs> These other three have a God complex already. I could not do that with them. <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. Come, come stand right up here. Just come stand a couple, couple steps. There you go. There you go. Watch what happens. When I trust God, when I love Jesus, when she trusts God and she loves Jesus, he says, where there's two like that, there I am in the midst of them. Come on, come on, come on down here. Come on, God, just come, come right to the front. You're welcome in our home. We want you right there. Can you flex a little bit, God? <laughs> I expected you to be bigger. <laughs> Watch what happens right here. When you've got this, this triangle of, of defense. Watch how this works right here. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And I've got this demon. And she's got that demon. And Velociraptor demon, he can't get in here. Because God's got him covered. And it doesn't matter. We turn, we turn, we turn. We've got every angle covered. Man, our peripheral has this thing covered. Nobody is going to sneak into this union right here. Nobody is going to come between me and my spouse and me and my God. Because we've got it covered on every side. And he said, three are even better. I want you to say three are even better. Say it. Now, now say it like you've got some spiritual oomph behind you. Say three are even better. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. For, for some of you that have been married recently and, and over the past few years, hey, Mandy, God, you got to have my back, bro. Come on, man. Thank God this is just an illustration. For some of you who've been married recently, I've done this for some of your, your ceremonies. Some of you, you've seen this before. Over the past couple of years, it's come very, become very popular. It's called God's Knot. You ever seen God's Knot? It's kind of taking the place of the traditional unity candle or the sand ceremony and some of that stuff. They've got this thing that's been becoming popular the last few years called God's Knot. And, and what it is, it's a ring, and it has these, these three pieces of rope on it. And uh, the, the 
purple one represents the groom, the white one represents the bride, and then right in the middle is a gold one, and it represents God. And, and as I'm reading scripture and I'm explaining God's, the God knot, or, or as, as a song is playing, the groom will hold that ring, and the bride braids it together, creating this unity, creating a threefold cord. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. It's one of the most beautiful symbolic moments of a wedding ceremony to me where you actually invite God into that marriage symbolically. It's beautiful, beautiful thing. This right here, this is a God knot. That a Christian man and a Christian woman, that when we're together in his name, there he is in the midst of us. And so if I turn this way, don't leave me, Mandy. Come on, girl. No matter where I go, I've got Mandy and I've God. Come on, God. I'm covered. I'm covered on every angle. I don't have to worry about my back. I don't have to worry about my side. Because when I do it right, when I do it God's way, a threefold cord triple braided relationship never fails thank you guys give them a hand if you will <laughs> say three or even better three or even better say it again really quick Genesis chapter 3, and, and, and I'm almost done, but I, I, I want to read this to you because Adam and Eve, we know from Scripture, they were in covenant with God. The Bible says that they walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day, and, and they had this, this relationship cord of three strands. It, it, was, it was the man, it was the woman, and, and it was God because it, that's all they had. They had each other, and they had their God there with them. But, but you get to chapter 3 and this whole story, this, this true story of the beginning of humanity, it just takes this wicked turn when you get to chapter 3. And I want to read the first six verses to you really quick. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Now, this is how that velociraptor demon works. That one that attacks you from the side, if you're not careful, it, you will be so focused on something else that, that this catches you off guard. And the enemy intentionally just, just, just misquoted God because now her mind has to be focused on, on that. And, and so he misquotes God. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees uh, of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But let me tell you something. When you start entertaining what the enemy is saying to you, when, when he starts putting these thoughts and these ideas in your mind and, and you don't filter it through the proper channels, when you don't have mentors in your life that will help you figure out what's right and what's wrong, when you don't have a spouse in your life that will help you filter what's right and what's wrong, you will not hear the enemy's lies and you will entertain it. And when you do, you will get your eyes off of the prize. You will get your eyes off of the author and the finisher of your faith if you're not careful. The enemy started lying. To the first couple, he starts lying. 
Verse 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some fruit to her husband who was with her and he ate. Now let me just kind of wrap all this up and, and tell you what's going on here. God told Adam, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can enjoy the fruit from everything else, but don't eat from that. The enemy takes it, twists it, and, and turns it. See, he gave him partial truth. His eyes were going to be open. He would be able to see what God knew. He, he would. It, it, that, that much was true. Was he going to become godlike? No, he wasn't going to be divine in any way. But he was going to have his eyes open, and he would begin to see things that he did not see before. That much is true. Where the enemy lied was, at that moment, death entered the human race. The enemy will give you partial truth because partial truth is still a lie. Partial truth doesn't make the situation right. In every area of your life, partial truth is still a lie. And the enemy is so good at it. He's the father of lies. He is a liar and the truth is not in him. That's what he does. He makes his living off lying. That's what the enemy does. You better hope and pray that you have that spouse that has your back that will not always agree with you when the enemy comes knocking on your door. It drives me crazy that sometimes God sounds a lot like Mandy. But I thank God that sometimes God uses Mandy to talk some sense into me and vice versa that in her life when I've got her back he uses me to talk some sense into her we are the filter when you have a godly man and a godly woman there he is in the midst of them and it creates this beautiful place of accountability. It will keep you from buying the car that you shouldn't buy. It'll keep you from building the house that is too much for you to afford. Because you hold each other accountable. You have each other's back. Your money is my money. It's our money. We can't afford this. It's in those moments of weakness when you have each other's back, that the spouse recognizes my husband is being tempted physically. My wife is being tempted emotionally. And when you've got each other's back and God's there in the midst of you, it creates this beautiful place of accountability and honesty, openness. something happened something happened in the garden that changed it because at the moment that Adam and Eve left God out of the mix and they started entertaining what the enemy was saying they became very vulnerable to that side attack 
Adam was standing side by side, not back to back. The snake's talking to his wife. Some of you men in the room, you better man up because there's somebody else talking to your wife right now. Don't you let the enemy talk to your wife. Don't you let the enemy get in her ear. It was Adam's responsibility to chase that snake off, behead that snake if you have to. It was his responsibility and he stood there side by side let her be deceived and then he fell for it also when you start entertaining the devil and God is nowhere to be found God will never be found anywhere in the middle of that thought process when you're allowing the enemy to come into your relationship never they made some choices that basically kicked God out of the relationship the enemy starts deceiving them in that moment. And they don't have each other's back anymore. You keep reading. And God says, what have you done? Why are you filled with guilt and shame? What, what happened? Adam doesn't have her back anymore. He says, it was the woman you gave me. Not only am I going to blame her. God, I'm going to blame you. We're good at that too, aren't we? God, my life stinks because it's your fault. We're good at it. It's the woman you gave me. That's the problem of my life right now. Some of you, you've prayed that prayer recently. My life would be better, Lord, but it's my spouse. The, the one that I stood before God and friends and family and said, I, I will love you and cherish you until death do us part and then, and, but it's that one that's the biggest problem in my life that's not the biggest problem in your life the problem is you got the enemy sitting on your shoulder serpents talking to you and you're entertaining that that's your problem at the moment they listened to the enemy tried to have intelligent conversation with him they took God out. They became vulnerable. Eve said, it was the snake. It was the serpent. It's not my fault. It's, it's him. And this blame game starts, and it, it, it continues. It continues in our homes to this day. We want to blame each other. Imagine what happens when we invite God back into our relationships and we make a God knot. Me, you, and God. Imagine what that looks like in our homes. When we are tied together so tight, covered on every side, that there's not a demon that can penetrate our relationship. Because a threefold cord is not easily broken, and there we are fighting together, having each other's back with God fighting with us. There is not a relationship on this planet that will crumble when that's right. So you want to know? You want to know how to fix your marriage? Make a God knot. Make a God knot. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, 
log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.